everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 3, Episode 15. It is called Yesterday's Enterprise. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, this is kind of a notable one, uh, not just because it's highly rated in IMDb, which is also what we saw last time when we looked ahead, but also because I've just I've heard this title before. I knew this was one that was going to be a big deal. It's kind of like how sometimes you've heard of... Uh, oh, God, I've forgotten the name of it now. But the <laughs> the one... Best of Both Worlds, that's the one at the end of the season. Okay. right? But, you know, you, you hear some titles, and Yesterday's Enterprise is one that's popped up in pop culture somewhere before. I'm not sure where, but mm. it has. Uh, so the premise of this one is that a older version of the Enterprise, the Enterprise C, comes through some sort of wormhole, right, through time, about 22 years through time from the past. And immediately, pretty much as soon as this happens, the timeline changes and everything on the ship changes, the lighting changes, the sets change a little bit, the uniforms change a little bit, and we're in a completely new timeline. And we learn kind of what the changes are, the main one being that we're at war with the Klingons and have been for quite some time, that being the main thing. Uh, and Guinan is the only one, presumably because of her species and her unique perspective on reality, can sense that something is wrong and something's not quite right. And yeah, she is... doesn't know exactly what, but just like, no, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And that's the premise of the episode. The, the big notable thing as well, of course, is that because they're at war with the Klingons, there's no wharf on the ship. And someone who had originally passed away in season one is actually in her place on the bridge. Tasha Yar has made her triumphant return. Via I, I guess no puddles were encountered in, in this timeline. Time shenanigans have given Tasha Yar a, a second chance at life. Or really, this episode gives her a second chance at death. And we'll talk about that. I, I think, honestly, large portions of this episode felt like the writers apologising to the actress. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly, I'm curious, because the, the concept of the episode is so strong anyway that I, I, I'm i very curious as to whether... What, what was the genesis of the idea? Was the was the idea originally, we have to think of a way to give Tasha a better send-off, or did they have this good idea and said, hey, we can... Like, wouldn't it be cool if we brought Tasha back because things have changed? And then from there they went, oh, we can give her this this better send up. I'd love to know what the order of the ideas was in terms mm. of how it came up to, it came about. But uh, so that's the gist of the episode. Uh, we'll get into it. Carl, how did you feel about yesterday's enterprise? Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, it's it's up there. Joe, that says actually, you're gonna hate me for this, but this if you're familiar with the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer, this is the wish. This is I hate you. This is largely, I imagine, what the wish was maybe even inspired by was this. Obviously, it's not time travel in that episode in Buffy, but it's very much this. That the whole idea that that Picard at one point has to kind of agree to maybe send these people in Enterprise back to their death because there's a version of reality which is better than the one they're currently living in reminded me so much of Giles in The Wish in Buffy. It, it was such a similar idea, this idea that there, there might be a better reality worth fighting for, but they have no concept of experience or understanding that it exists. It's just the, the faintest, just one character's told them this exists and you should try and restore it because it's better and it's the way things should be. So that was a really neat parallel that just, you know, as, as soon as things started progressing, I'm like, oh, I'm getting wish vibes out of this. And it was even just the way that once we change realities, like everything is darker, the lighting changes. And actually, I want to commend uh, just the general direction on this that 
even just something as simple as how characters are lit feels so different everything feels it darker does, and the sets are a little bit different as well but the lighting does make such a big difference mm-hmm. uh, they just feel different the entire time because of the lighting and on top of that you have the sets you have the, the slight tweaks to the uniforms because it's a warship now there's no families on board these are some of the big differences uh, I think one of the, the, the smartest things that the episode does is that it starts with an epi- uh, episode it starts with a scene of Worf um, I, I like the idea that obviously during the alternate timeline we're going to mainly be dealing with Tasha and dealing with like how different her life is I love the idea of starting the episode by reminding us hey this is what we have because of what this timeline is we have Worf on the Enterprise we have him you know, making small talk with Guinan, who's like, hey, Worf, maybe you should uh, find a woman on board. And he's like, ah, I need a Klingon woman. All these Earth women knew and mm. really handle me. And she's like, I think you may be surprised. You may actually be tamed to some of them. And he just he laughs hysterically. It was delightful. It was quite funny. I think it's important as well, got to remember, this comes from an age where there's an expectation that maybe you're just turning on this channel and stumbling across this show for the first time. So it's important to set up just at the start some semblance of normality before you change it all of course well that was always going to happen i don't think the episode was ever going to start with already been in there but i think it's very notable that we start with Worf, the character who is lost because of yeah. the changes because of everything so there's almost this this sort of side idea to it throughout the episode that it's not just about fighting to not have this war it's from a meta level fighting to have one of our main characters back who's been taken I think they were extremely smart to choose to do this with Worf and not Wesley. <laughs> because no one would want him back. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, this timeline ain't so bad. Yeah, Wesley, who, by the way, has got the full uniform and the new timeline. Uh, yeah. just, oh, it made me think this episode, actually, that Wesley's not really had any plots this season, he, uh, at least not that I remember. I'm pretty sure that this season he's been around he's been there as just the, the guy in the bridge just pressing the buttons for the captain or whatever the most notable thing i think he had was when his mother was kidnapped so there was you know a little bit of focusing on him because he was obviously reacting to this but he's not really had his own subplot where he goes for his test or where he goes for this thing or that thing this season they've dialed that back yeah we i mean like right at the start we had i think a whole thing about how you know hey we're bringing your mother back so that was a big thing for him I think yeah but even then I would say it's more about his mother than it is about yeah, him yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't really want to argue that I'm just saying he yeah. felt very included I, well it just makes sense that whenever they do anything dramatic with his mother that he has to kind of you know you know, it runs downhill like he has to then be included as a result yeah. but I, I feel like we've not had any of his specific little subplots this season you know he didn't accidentally you know create a life form that almost destroyed the ship or anything like that this season uh, yet. yet yes we got some episodes left that's true but just i felt i felt that i was like yeah he's there because even in this episode okay they've got him in the uniform it's, it's almost but it's almost like an easter egg level of like inclusion it's just kind of there and if you, if you weren't mm. paying attention you might not notice it and just focus on the episode at hand and that's it i get. i guess he got rushed through the academy because wartime that makes sense stands yeah. to reason right yeah, it makes sense this, this is plausible enough to me so yeah they're fighting with the Klingons and I love the idea because this is the thing because when they first mentioned that this Enterprise C it went missing because in the news because we never hear what the history of this this ship was in the original timeline we only hear about it after it's changed so when they change timeline it's a mystery it just disappeared one day which makes sense because it traveled through time and here the like because when they first brought up that this was going to off to defend uh, a Klingon planet or settlement from a Romulan attack, I was like, Wait, "Is this going to be Worf's 
plays and I thought nah 22 years is probably a little bit just not quite old enough for it to be worth depending but they never went down that that, that path I guess is what I'm saying because I, I, I'll be honest early on in this episode I was expecting Worf to end up being the captain on like whatever Klyon ship showed up like ah uh, yeah I could have seen that I was really expecting that but I actually liked that it didn't go for the the cheap obvious like oh it's Worf's planet it's Worf's, this is Worf's thing it, it could still be and just not it have could, told us it could be but I kind of like that because what, what they set up is that I mean, we don't. We, that's the thing. We never actually get to hear what actually happened. Maybe we'll hear it in a different episode later. But we never really get to hear what the outcome of this actually is. Just that whether whether the ship is able to fight off the Romulans, which is unlikely because there's like four of them, and it was like almost a certain death to send them back. That's kind of where the big drama comes from. Picard choosing to send them back. It's that even the loss may actually be what prevents the war. This idea that we're getting closer and closer to, like, uh, you know, the Klingons being part of the Federation, because I think I think uh, Shirt McGavin, who we've not even mentioned he's in there yet, but Shirt McGavin from Happy Gilmore is like the lieutenant on the other ship, and he, like, talks about how when, he, when they, you know, with the time they came from, they were in talks for a peace treaty with the Klingons, and I love the idea that the Klingons, because an Enterprise, because a Federation ship died trying to save them, that would be the the linchpin. That would be the honourable thing they would do in the eyes of the Klingon Empire. Like I love that idea, and that yeah, you're going to go back and die, but you're going to save billions of lives by doing so. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and there's a great line about how you know one ship here and now isn't going to change this war. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it'll it'll maybe help a tiny bit, prolong it a month, who knows? But in the grand scheme of things, they're going to lose regardless. But 22 years ago, one ship could make a pretty significant difference. Yeah. And I think it's maybe to its credit that we actually don't know if they somehow pull out a victory in the past. Because we, we don't. Like, because no. it works either way. I, either they save the. Because if, if. Okay, so they die and it's this honorable death in the eyes of the Klingons because they try to save them, so they respect them. Or they do actually save them, and then presumably the Klingons will still see that as quite helpful. <laughs> and, like, okay, clearly there's a friendship there there's respect there because they came to save us and succeeded like it's not like that's going to be a failure in the eyes of the Klingons if they don't die in battle so you know like we don't actually know what the outcome of it is I mean if, if it is Worf's planet then they had to have succeeded at least at least evacuated some people bef- before because I mean Klingons I mean uh, Worf's like family all die right yeah so yeah because he's raised by humans yeah well obviously but I mean like how much of a, a let, let's say it could still be a success and his parents still die I mean if, if the Romulans start attacking this place they might kill an X number of Klingons before the cavalry shows up and so on it's possible yeah so yeah there's, there's, there's ways that, that it, could, it could be a worse planet and it, it could be a something they bring up in future episodes but I, I like in the context of this episode on its own it's left ambiguous because it doesn't matter like, and we don't know the uncertainty of them going back thinking we're probably going to die but we don't really know for sure and us not really knowing for sure either even at the end of the episode we, obviously we're back in the right timeline but we don't know what the history of this is I mean maybe it's been mentioned in, like, as an easter egg at some point and we just... yeah I feel like the Star Trek wiki knows the history of this <laughs> oh sure yeah we could look at us up, up in Star Trek wiki but in the context of just watching the episode it doesn't tell us and we don't yeah. know so uh, I, I think that's a really smart device. Just, just a p- perspective of putting us in the same sort of uncertainty that the characters face who are going back in the Enterprise C. Because uh, the captain of this ship does actually die. She's willing to go back and she agrees with Picard after Picard sort of tells her how bad the war's going. And 
But she dies as soon as as soon as a Klingon uh, ship shows up. She she dies in the blast, and Sure McGavin has to take over as the as the acting captain. And Tasha's been kind of flirting with him all episode. I actually, Quite a bit, yeah. I actually really like. There's a bit where after they come out of the meeting where, because like, there's a moment where she's with uh, Shooter McGavin and they're getting drinks, and Gainan has this moment because Gainan's explained to Picard that she feels something off when she looks at certain people, and this is the first time in the episode where she she sees Tasha and she has this weird like she's seen a ghost moment, and kind of just knows that she's supposed to be dead. Doesn't know the details. Doesn't know how. In fact. <laughs> But this is not an episode that has a lot of jokes on it necessarily but one of the times that I did laugh a lot is when Tasha goes to her demanding information like what does she know and she's like I don't really know and she's like but do you know how I died I let out a laugh it's like so so hard because it's a puddle and then Guinan has to ha- actually I don't know how you died but I do know it was a meaningless death <laughs> yeah it was these sorts of bits where i was feeling the writers apologizing to the actors going like yeah we treated you kind of shitty sorry about that yeah so yeah but it, 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 she has this moment where they're in a meeting with picard and picard's like explaining and i like i like that picard is he's definitely harsher in this timeline because of the war but he's still picard at heart he's not like completely changed but he's still him but he's just, he's got a yeah. bit more of an edge you know not not ridiculously so just a bit more of a bite to him it's realistic though. yeah and he kind of explains that get what Gaines explained to him, and that that they have to send everyone back, even though it's a death sentence. And everyone in the room is against it. Everyone says, "No, this is sending them to their death." And because no, if this is not supposed to be how it is, if the timeline's already been changed, we have to do our best to try and restore it. And she, but through explaining this and explaining that Gaines is the one that gave him all this information, Tasha remembers that weird meeting where she was looking at her funny. And she's in the term, and I love that she's left with data. I was like, oh, they know what they're doing here. They know what they're doing, having her have a have given her a little heart to heart with data. It is, and but it, it it cuts to her at this point over the specific line of dialogue, right? Is oh, you know, uh, talking about some of in this in this other timeline, you know, some of us may even be dead, and, and it looks over at Tasha, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, we get it. Yeah, yeah, they lean into it pretty heavily. Uh, I I do like that, and. Honestly, I'm actually kind of impressed that they came up with a way for her to sort of choose to have a better death. Like, it's just really specific. Like, she she has an opportunity here to, because the, the Enterprise sees they're understaffed because enough of them have died, she's like, sir, I want, I want to request permission to transfer over to the Enterprise and help them in their mission. And Picard obviously tries to argue against it. But ultimately, the logic here is quite simple, is that if she's supposed to be dead anyway, and this ship is going back to sort of die heroically, then... You know, she can choose to help it and have have it last long enough to put on. Maybe this is not the right word, but enough of a sh- enough of a show for the Klingons, enough of like a, an effort for the Klingons to sort of see the honourable sort of attempt that they make. Then she would rather do that. To give, and she doesn't even know about the puddle. I mean, if she knew about the puddle, she might be willing to go even further than this. But, <laughs> but anything to avoid the puddle. Yeah, but she, you know, and Picard ultimately sort of gives her permission. Uh, and accepts and maybe if there's a complaint here is just how quickly she kind of accepts what Gainan has told her that she's supposed to be dead and just kind of accepts it uh, maybe that if there's a nitpick to have with the episode maybe that's it yeah yeah I guess in this timeline I guess she knows Gainan well enough or mm. she feels like she knows Gainan well enough to trust her intuition yeah that's the beautiful thing is Gaiden never appeared on the ship until season 2 so she's not actually supposed to meet Tasha uh, in yeah, the context there's, there's of the same because you know I, I love you I, I don't know you I'm not supposed to know you. You, you I never knew you 
Yeah, so that's a really fun little uh, beat. Whereas, obviously, in this perspective, to this Tasha, of, of course she knows Guinan and probably knows her pretty well, as well yeah. as you know the, the rest of our core crew do. Well, it actually gives the, the episode its final scene because uh, Guinan sort of like after sort of realizing everything's been back to normal, she sits down next to Jordy and says, "Hey, Jordy, tell me about Tasha Yar." And this is obviously out of the blue. To Jordy's just like. Okay. <laughs> that bitch that died in a puddle. Uh, but I, I like that little bit. I like that little bit that she knows that something changed and is now fixed. But she has this sense of who Tasha is. Like it's, it's not like she knows the details of what happened, but she has a sense of Tasha somehow, and wants to know about her. So it, it has this weird way of giving her like a fit and send off, despite the fact that the puddle thing still happened in the timeline. But. Yes. It, it, it gives her but, character a fitting kind of heroic thing that she chose uh, to do. Assuming the Enterprise C went back and you know, died a, a tragic death of, of this this noble sacrifice, mm-hmm. this also happened in the timeline. Technically, that's true. Yeah. So she died earlier, but better. Well, you say earlier, but the original one was still living. This timeline's Tasha still lived to, to die with the puddle. Well, yeah, yeah. Just to make that clear, because earlier sounds yeah. like she died earlier, but she didn't die earlier. No, 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 she died as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, died also. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, I think as a as a weird kind of like we're going to try and give her another send off. It works quite well, and. If that was all the episode was, it might be a little one note because it'd feel just kind of like this, you know, this kind of like stitched together band-aid to try and give her this. But because the, the concept itself of what inspires the Klingons and what, you know, stops this war and what this what makes this become of all the characters is such a strong concept and everything's so fun to explore and and, and fascinating to, to kind of see how different, you know, Riker definitely feels angrier as well. It doesn't seem to get on with Picard as well. They seem to be bickering at each other and sniping a lot more, uh, for, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, the, the crew is not as close uh, as they are. And I wonder if part of that is in, in the wartime, they, 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 in war, they're like, no, we're not getting to know each other too well because, mm. you know, they're, they're intentionally keeping the distance because there's a lot of deaths going on, maybe. Yeah, it's a colder world. It's a colder world yeah. that the you know, and it, it, it never. It's one thing to like. Obviously, they have to give us a world that we definitely don't want to continue in. It's fascinating, but ultimately, yes, of course, we want Worth back. Of course, we want the the happier, you know, version of the crew back, the camaraderie that they have, because mm. that's something that we enjoy in the show. So it has to be colder, but I, I think the choices of how they've done it in this episode are all really smart and play off the science fiction idea that they're using, which is which is cool. Yeah, um, it's a pretty great episode. Yeah, because I think when I read the title and even read the description, I think I assumed it was like going to be a second ship with like all the same crew on it from from like a different timeline. Whereas I, I think this was maybe more interesting. And a little touch I loved was that the, the uniforms that the other Enterprise were using were all kind of similar to the, the, the original series movie uniforms, the red, you know? Which kind of, I mean, I don't. it's not exactly right in the timeline, but yeah, that was obviously closer. The other Enterprise was closer in the timeline to those movies. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, it, so it, it feels it, natural. It tells us that these uniforms they're wearing are relatively new before the start of season one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because uh, given the age of Bones in the pilot, 
I mean, the the last movie, you know, the undiscovered country had to have been like fifty, sixty years ago, <laughs> I think. Uh, something um, like that. How how old was Bones in in that movie? Oh, it was something. It was like one hundred and forty or something. Like that. <laughs> was, was he that? I was see. I was thinking like one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty. Maybe you're closer. It was definitely more than normal like it was like oh clearly we have better medicine and lifespans yeah, yeah. in the future because there wasn't a normal age yeah you, you could be right there <laughs> yeah but the point, the point being is that they had those red uniforms for a long long time those were there for for at least half a century and i mean it stands to reason uniforms yeah. tend to not change that much it's interesting. I mean, obviously, this is maybe more uh, a point for the the creation of the shows as opposed to the in universe stuff. But I do like the I, I like wondering about okay, in universe, what was the decision to go back to color coding the uh, the Federation? Because obviously, they were color coding the original series, and then they switched to the all red. Uh, I mean, even before the all red, they had the all the all sort of like wasn't white but it was like a beige or the gray that they had in the first oh, yeah movie. i want to say gray but like you know they, they switched to the all red i just wonder like, okay did they decide you know what we missed the color coding the color coding was really good made it really easy <laughs> i i think this can be answered in a single word and and i i want to say that this is still an in-universe answer sure nostalgia i got it uh, you know someone who at the time would have been you know a, a, you know a young child in their formative years looked up to their heroes you know on the starships and those were the uniforms they remembered and then you know decades later they have reached this position uh, where you know they're they're now at a point where they're making these decisions of of you know uniforms and they're like you know what screw this let's yeah. let's let's bring it back and and i think that's a, a realistic enough thing to happen that it works for me that it doesn't bother me that it feels maybe you know like we're going back and forth well it wasn't a complaint uh it was no mm. i was just, i was just thinking about it because we see these uniforms again because uh, it's very rare that we see them mixing right this is one of the few examples of like because of the time travel shenanigans we're seeing them side by side yeah and i, I like that because because the uniforms do evolve again throughout these these other shows but they kind of keep the color scheme uh from these different uh sep- you know the different job profiles yeah. uh, even all the way into picard uh although they've changed the uniforms again but they do keep those colors so they keep that sort of semblance of what they are uh, i think the ones that, well the, the ones in picard were new again uh feel a bit more sleeker but i mean the ones in the movies definitely were a bit different but still again picard had a bit of the red you know they had a bit of the gold so on so on like they, they still kept the colors so no that's uh that's interesting stuff um mm. But no, uh, I mean, I think Yes's Enterprise is a really solid episode. I I almost wonder if it was so hyped up though for me that I feel like oh it was really great. I don't know if it's necessarily the best of the show so far. I I would still put Q Who and uh, Measure a Man above this. I I probably would too. I think this is clearly in contender for top two or three of this season. Oh for sure. Like. Would I immediately place it even top of this season? I I don't know without thinking about it. Um, but it might well be. Uh, you know, we, we might get to the end of the season and rank, and we go, no, it is number one. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. But it, it's not like a clear cut immediately. Like, oh, I want to immediately say this is the best. Yeah, but it's now, very good. I'd have to go back and look at what episodes we've had so far, and then obviously we have a good bulk still to come the season to really sort of decide that, but. 
Uh, but no, it's very, very good. I, I think the concept is really strong science fiction stuff. Uh, the fact that it managed to give a character who already died a fitting send-off without ever feeling like it was just doing a really cheap kind of like because this is the sort of thing that i can see like like a cw like i can imagine the flash and the cw try to pull off something like this where they give a character a, a better send-off and i i know that the entire time it would feel like this is you're just making shit up so you can do this as the opposed worst to part is that you're saying here now is you can see them doing this i'm like 60 percent sure they already have done this they probably, they i just can't have. remember it because it was still forgettable yeah well it's not so much that i would say it's for, i mean it is forgettable i'm not arguing that it's forgettable but that's not my complaint my complaint would be that the entire time it feels like they're just just doing this for the sake of trying to fix their own mistake well yeah but like more to the point it would feel like that the entire time where it feel like they're just writing and making up rules to justify whatever yeah. weird new thing they want to do whereas this i never felt like they're bullshitting their way through this to give us this better send-off. Everything felt like, oh, this is a really good idea. This really all fits with the logic you've set up, but this this new you know, time travel where the, the entire timeline has changed completely, and it all, it all felt kind of fitting. And it didn't necessarily take away from the character either or feel fake because it's still her. It's, these are still our characters. And, Definitely. You know, so it, everything no, it, felt it, true. It was really naturally done uh, in, in a really well well way. Yeah, because obviously it does that thing at the start of the episode where it like Picard turns around and it, like wharfs become Tasha, and that's just kind of like, and it's almost like I don't want to say a joke, but it is almost like a little comic payoff moment really. With Tasha's back, like it's, it's that shock. Mm. It's not until halfway through the episode or so where it starts to really hone in on her a bit more and give her a bit more scenes and give her more time and actually start to get the sense of it. No, this is about her having her moment as opposed to anything else. Yeah, it doesn't like jump in that right from the start of the episode as uh, oh this is actually Tasha's episode, even though you can probably see it coming quite quickly because hey Tasha's back, you know, yeah, and she's there for more than one gimmicky scene. Uh, it's not just like a little appearance, so it it becomes clear quickly in theory that this is her episode. So and it's it's right that it should be in that scenario, um, but the episode doesn't rush into actually getting to that material. Yeah, uh... So, uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, so it's a it's a very restrained school of writing, I would say, uh, to to go down that route. Yeah, uh, like I say, everyone with Picard in this, I really liked him making his choices. You know, he argues with Gaiden because when Gaiden first comes to him, he's like, "Don't be ridiculous! I can't send them to their deaths." And, Ga- and you know, I, I can't do this on a hunch that you have. And, and she's like, "Look, how long have you known me? Have you ever known me to make you know brash decisions or?" or not take things seriously or not but I believe this I believe this world is wrong and it needs to be fixed uh, so there's a bit of a leap of faith from Picard that I quite there like is, but it was interesting that Gan acknowledged she can't just necessarily expect him to just do what she says on a hunch either mm. there is a you know it, there is a bit of give and take here that she's like you know, I, I know this is asking a lot because of the what you know it is <laughs> yeah yeah, so there you go. That is uh, this is Enterprise, a very good episode. Uh, by all means, let us know what you think. But we'll look ahead to what's coming next time, episode sixteen. Uh, it is called The Offspring. Now I'm going to come clean here. I mistakenly watched the first two minutes or so of this episode, thinking that we'd already recorded this review, and I got like two minutes in. I went, I do not remember Pete telling me about yeah. this at the end of the last one. Yeah, so I, I think that title may be quite worrying uh, because any time Star Trek deals with kids or birthing or, <laughs> like, 
tends to read go. The, read the description. I'm about to turn a minute. I'm just saying based on the title. Yeah. You know, it could be concerning. Okay. It uh, it's also tempted to make an offspring joke, as in the band, because it's their offspring. Sure. Uh, you know, this episode feels a million miles away. Yeah, sorry, there was something flying in the, in the corner and it distracted me. Some sort of bug. Here's a description from IMDb. After returning from a cybernetics conference to the Enterprise, Data creates his own child, much to the chagrin of his captain and without regards to the ramifications with Starfleet. Yeah, that is obviously way more sci-fi with the concept than I was expecting and bizarrely very relevant to Picard. So I'm curious as to what this episode brings uh, next time. Uh, but let us know what you thought of, of uh, yesterday's Enterprise in the comments. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. It does help us out a lot. It's YouTube's way of knowing to promote it to other people and send it out to more potential Star Trek fans who might either love or hate us. Uh, people, I, I know people hate watches. It's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, yeah. So you can do that. You can also support us financially over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble, including a bonus already cancelled, exclusive to patrons on Six Feet Under, as well as early access to a bunch of stuff at the $5 tier, including these Star Trek discussions and a bunch of other stuff. So please do go and have a look and see if you're interested in keeping all the content coming. Uh, but otherwise that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching Star Trek guys and when it comes to the ladies Wesley Crusher is in complete control although maybe not in this other universe maybe in the other universe someone else is in complete control Tasha Yar Tasha Yar is in complete control of all the boy toys <laughs> <laughs>